I'm Lauren Lowry, and this is Amstigator, a podcast all about seeking, finding, and living with purpose. People talk about purpose, but no one tells you how to get there. But that's what this podcast addresses, how to find purpose. I interview experts in the field. You'll also hear from people who I call prototypes, whose life is an example of purpose. So on this podcast, we dig into their path and create a community of people in pursuit of purpose. What if seeing a therapist was as easy as walking in to get a mani-pedi? You look at your toes, you're like, oh my God, I look like Fred Flintstone. And so like within a day, you found someone to clean up your feet. Well, that's kind of what today's guest wanted when she started building the happy hour a few years ago. It's a mental wellness boutique in Nashville that's accessible and fun, you know, like happy hour. I kind of consider it a disruptor model because nobody else is doing it the way Clara Belden's doing it. So we talked about how she created the happy hour, but it gets real. When we start talking about the changes she had to make in her own life, she had to overcome perfectionism, which she admits to still working on constantly and how she had to get over her own BS. That's how she says it. Like, I needed to get over my own BS, and it took a while. Also, if this helps you understand Clara at all, she's an Enneagram One. So there's a lot to unpack there, too, with her need for things to be perfect. But this is how I love connecting with a person. I want to sit across from them. I want to hear the pitfalls. I want to hear the struggles. I want to hear the moments of clarity and the turning points because I just don't feel like you can really understand a person until you're starting to have those kinds of conversations. Understanding somebody's struggles is how you understand their view of the world. It's what shaped them. Now, as an aside, I was introduced to Clara by a very, very dear friend. And this particular friend will be a guest on the podcast someday. She knows that I know it, but it's just not the right time yet. Uh, She's already sent me three podcast guests who've been amazing. So her fingerprints are all over Amstigator as like a guardian angel sending me people who she knows are going to help people like you who are listening right now and kind of further that mission of Amstigator. So I share a lot of myself in this episode because Clara and I have some similarities in our experiences. And one of those is the questions we really struggled with, you know, in the last few years. Now, if you've listened to my episode about the three questions you should ask yourself to deepen self-awareness, it's episode 17. I've got it in the show notes. But in that episode, you'll hear me talk about questions. It comes up in this episode too. Clara's question was, who are you? She did not recognize herself because she had done something similar to what I had done, you know, taking on the identity to a fault of the brands you're working for. Like she has her MBA, doing all this marketing executive stuff, and just started to try to be that person who she wasn't. She didn't recognize herself at all. So she had a lot to do to work around that idea of herself. And that all started when she was 30. Now, Claire and I also have young kids close to the same ages, and she had some really powerful things to say about balancing the work you do on yourself and the responsibilities you have to your kids and your family. And on top of that, I learned some great ways to manage their emotions in this episode. So like, for example, when your kids are upset or they're expressing an emotion, the better way to handle what they're going through, not just say, oh, you're okay, turn your tears off, because I'm so guilty of that because I'm just deeply impatient. My kids, like all kids, get overly dramatic, and I'm like, stop crying. (laughs) So I found that part to be really helpful, not just, you know, for myself, but I think it's going to be helpful for you, too. 
And we also do something in this episode that hasn't happened in any other Amstigator interview yet. I stop asking the questions and instead start answering them. Clara walks me through an authenticity exercise that gets you to think about, you know, the labels that you hold on to, how you see yourself, what you need to shed. And Clara talks about how our labels keep us from connecting with our authentic selves. I mean, she's an authenticity coach after all. And that's why I call her episode The Untitled because of the work she's done to divine her own life authentically and how she helps others do the same thing. So I've broken those questions out. It's your bonus content for the week with those thought prompts and all. It's already in your email inbox. And if you don't already get those emails from me, just shoot me a note, lauren at amstigator.com. I'll send it on to you. Make sure you don't miss anything else from me. Just email me, lauren at amstigator.com. Oh, and before we start, This is a drinking episode. Clara and I shared a bottle of bubbles, my fave. So you're gonna hear me say, drinking while working is wonderful, like out the very top, cause I'm here for that. Honestly, this is one of those like behind the scenes things, but every time I bring in people to work for me, if it's anytime after 3 p.m., we've popped a top. I mean, I'm just being honest. So you wouldn't know this, but the two camera guys are drinking beers during this episode. My producer, who's taking notes on the episode, had a beer. Claire and I were drinking our bubbles because it was after three. And I do this for a couple of reasons. Number one, it makes the process more enjoyable because even for my workers, it doesn't feel like work. You know, when you're just doing something you really enjoy, something creative, but you're also drinking, it's like, wow, I'm getting paid for this. And number two, it helps the person I'm interviewing feel like we're just having girl talk, you know? Which we totally are, and this episode totally is girl talk. I just don't do buttoned up, you know? If it's my choice, we're not gonna be buttoned up. We're gonna have a drink, we're gonna have serious conversations where we get real with each other about, you know, who we were, who we're working to become. You know, that whole process, that's what Amstigator's all about. So, okay, how you doing? How we feeling? You ready to get into the episode? Let's do it. Clara, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Let's start with uh, the literal name of your company, The Happy Hour, and the fact that we are also celebrating that with our own little happy hour. Uh, Cheers to to you, friend. Uh, I do love drinking and working at the same time. I think that's a great thing. Now, your happy hour is not this happy hour. Your happy hour is something entirely different but I love that you play on that same sort of theme of like, hey, when are we our best selves? Usually when we've shrugged off, you know, some sort of responsibility of the week and we've gotten together with our best friends and we've just talked and shared and chosen to live life that way. So what is happy hour? Yeah, so the happy hour is a mental wellness studio. It is literally a place for you to go and get happy for an hour. Um, And so what is a mental wellness studio? Um, We offer therapy, we offer life coaching, we offer community groups, anything from a mom's group to a book club to something a little more serious such as a grief and loss group. And, And what we really try to do, and it's exemplified by the name, is just make it approachable to go work on your mental wellness. Um, to make it comfortable, to make it feel just like any other wellness activity, like yoga or going to a spa. And we really made it super simple for people to sign up, for people to find their therapist or coach and schedule it online just like you would anything else. Yeah, and I, I love the origin of all of it too, right? Like just this need for mental health to be more accessible. Yeah, yeah, it's such a problem. It's such a hard, it's such a hard journey to go on to find 
somebody to help you. It's hard enough to admit that you need help and then to find that person that's a good fit with you can be so challenging and take so long. Yeah. And where did that come from with your own childhood and, and seeing the need for mental wellness in your own home? Yeah, absolutely. Um, growing up, mental health and mental wellness has always been a huge passion of mine. Um, I have experienced walking alongside loved ones who have really, really, really struggled with their mental health on, on varying degrees. And it was painful and it was such a challenge for our family, um, from my family and also generationally. Uh, I've seen it multiple times and, and the biggest problem was just confusion. And mm -hmm. we were from means and privilege and we had felt like we had no options and nowhere to go and it couldn't really be talked about it. I mean, this was call it 20 plus years ago yeah. and it's it's different than it is today. Yeah, I feel like mental health has become a, a real hot topic just in the last maybe five or six years is where it's really started to feel like part of the part of the common conversation where people be, have really started to understand, hey, you know, you have a broken bone, you go to the doctor. When your mind isn't quite right, where do you go? Yeah, absolutely. And look, we all have none of us have minds that are completely right, right? We all have struggles. <laughs> Life is hard and you know, you don't have to have a severe issue or trauma to work on yourself. And I think that's something that people are now starting to understand too, especially as before COVID, a lot of celebrities and a lot of athletes were coming out and talking about, hey, I go to therapy and couples that we, you know, celebrities that we idolize were saying, hey, we go to couples therapy. Yeah. And then the pandemic hit and we all know how that story went. <laughs> right. So exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's really coming out of the shadows and it's really kind of getting its place now. So how about for you? I mean, because you were not in this space until a handful of years ago. You were living a different life. Tell me the life you were living at that time. Oh yeah, so I was a buttoned up corporate person who had <laughs> gone to business school. Um, I had gotten my business degree in specialized in um, marketing and strategy, particularly brand marketing. Um, I went to work for a, a huge corporation um, for years and it was a great company, but I completely wrapped my identity up in, in my job. I completely lost who I was mm. and it really hurt relationships. It really hurt my health. <laughs> um, my anxiety was very high and it just, skyrocketed my perfectionism through the roof. Yeah, okay, so let's let's dig into that. Like, what did you lose of yourself and what did you take on in that role? Yeah, gosh, it's hard to even say because I hadn't really done a deep dive into who I really truly was at my core yet. And so I actually feel like I kind of just morphed into this role of somebody who always had to be buttoned up, who always had to have my words completely correct, who always had to show up as my best self every single day. And that doesn't mean in a spiritual, purposeful way. That means literally don't mess up whatever mm. you say or do. And at least that's how I felt. Yeah. Um, and so then I just, I started to take on this persona of if I'm productive, if I get good reviews, if I work 12 hours a day, Ooh. that means I'm a good person. That oh. means I'm doing what I should be doing. At what point did you say, maybe this isn't what it's supposed to be? Oh my gosh, after I started to um, have some health issues, after I realized I hadn't seen my friends in a long time, I hadn't been spending time with my husband the way I wanted to, and you know, we were also starting to talk about starting a family, and I just thought, there's no way I can continue this. Yeah. Did he ever say to you, I, I obviously don't know your husband, but did your husband ever say to you, hey, who 
are you right now? Like, this isn't who you are. Yeah, and it, he was incredibly supportive and he knew it was really important to me and he knew I was doing really well there and, and you know, advancing the way I wanted to. And, and towards the end, he did say, hey, I don't even know who mm. you are. I don't even know what's going on in your life besides yeah. work. And the funny thing is there wasn't anything. So let's talk about the first question you had to ask yourself in that process. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm very open about like my personal journey and it being, gosh, probably about a year and a half ago now. And the question that I could not answer for myself was what do I want? Mm -hmm. And that question plagued me for months because I mean, I, I just avoided that question for years. I never wanted to answer it because it required too much disruption of long-held beliefs and also this disruption of like, God, does this mean that I have to change my life? Because that's hard and fiery work. Mm -hmm. So I put off that question. Did you have a question that you struggled with that you had to answer for yourself? Yes, mine was, who are you? Who am I? How long did it take you to answer? Oh my gosh. I started to gain insight and understanding to who I was little by little over years, but truly it took me probably three, four years of doing this deep work, of going to therapy, of going to coaching, um, of doing what I call my spiritual journey. Um, and I remember one day sitting on my therapist's couch who I had seen, I, she, I had known her for years and years, and I just walked in and I said, I feel like I don't even know who I am anymore, but I feel like myself for the first time. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah, and I, I, I just started crying because I finally felt comfortable and at home in myself, but it was so foreign that it felt like, who is this person? Yeah. Did that not have any hints of familiarity to you? Gosh, it had been a while. Yeah. It had been a while. It had hints, it had glimmers but I had often covered it up and buttoned it up and, and put those walls of armor up mm. to be this perfect person and, mm. and get everyone's approval. Yeah, I mean, per perfectionism is, is pervasive and I think it happens a lot with people who are, who are, gosh, you end up being successful because you keep pushing mm -hmm. and people then keep encouraging mm -hmm. you in those things and so it's just like, it almost like self-propels in that way. Absolutely. Um, but what was that, person? Who did that feel like, the person you found, the real yeah. you, and what was different about this person now as, as opposed to that person maybe even six years ago? I think that I loved myself for, my, for who I was, flaws and all. I took a deep look at my fears that I had and I got really curious around them. I practiced showing a ton of compassion to that and so I just felt comfortable, I felt at peace, I felt that it was okay to be exactly who I was every single day that I walked out of hmm. my house. What were you afraid of? I think failure and I think letting people down. Yeah. Why letting people down? Is it like a root in people pleasing or what is that rooted in? I think somewhere along the way of my life I formed this limiting belief that I had to perform to earn love or I had to earn people's love and it's just so not true. But nonetheless, it's, it's kind of what happened and, and I fed into it, you know? Mm -hmm. It felt really good to get, to get these accolades or to, to win competitions and, get, and be the good one and yeah. get this praise for it. And it just is something that I kept doing. Yeah, and it almost feels like to me, like I'm hearing almost like this need for, or, or, or this love of being known for a dependability. Like Absolutely. being known for the 
the closer, I don't know, being known for that person that can get it done. Mm -hmm. um, was that part of why you took on certain things that you took on? Oh, absolutely, yes. I don't think the word no was in my vocabulary. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times it did work out, but just because you can do something doesn't mean it's what's best for you. Mm. That's powerful. What were the things that you were doing that weren't best for you, even though you were doing them and you could do them? Yeah, I think just taking on any, any extra project at work I could. Um, saying yes to anything after work, to happy hours, to socialize and network. Well, meanwhile, I'm saying no to a lot of, you know, my own social activities. Yeah. Um, I do remember at one point I, you know, had to miss my husband's birthday, which I feel oh. like a terrible person saying that, but that was another moment of, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Yeah. Was that within the journey or was that before the journey? Where did that, that birthday fall? This was when the journey was just, Kind of kicked off. Yeah. I, I said, okay, I gotta make a change. Yeah. I, I like to ask a question of a moment of clarity. When was a moment of clarity in your life? Do you think yeah. that was it? I think it was a big one. And I think after I think after I, I stopped working um, and kind of started this, this spiritual journey and started yeah. trying some new things and just being really open and curious, um, I've had some moments of clarity in there too. Okay, so let's talk let's talk about that transition point. You know where did all of this come from? Like you're doing this marketing thing, you've got your MBA, like yeah. you're you're the person that everybody wants you to be and you say, wait a minute, I'm not happy. Who the heck am I? <laughs> like, I don't know who I am. So then walk me through that. Walk yeah. me through that, that point where you decided I need to change. So what happened? Yeah, well, after I left my big corporate job, I started working on the happy hour. Um, and I laugh because the first day after I left, I woke up at 5 a.m. to start working. Yeah. And I'm now looking back with two kids, I'm like, why didn't I just sleep? But <laughs> um, I think I really took time to be still and quiet and stop moving because I had been moving and doing so much to kind of cope with some things that um, were bothering me. And so it looked like going to therapy, it looked like actually going through my coach training was a huge, huge eye-opener during my training to become a holistic life coach. One of the last weeks there, um, we were all in person and part of the training is basically doing group coaching and you're getting coached and then you practice getting coached. And I was so, I thought I was being super open and vulnerable, but I was so buttoned up looking back. Mm. And at the end, the facilitator, who is somebody that I, I knew pretty well before that, she just looked me dead in the eye and she goes, you know, you really remind me of that Elizabeth Gilbert quote. You know what I'm talking about? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't have time to read books. And <laughs> <laughs> she goes, I've never seen any life transformation happen until the person in question got over their own BS. And we don't know what that stands for. Yeah. And I thought I would be mad about that, but I actually felt this huge wave of relief yeah. that she had called me out and I opened my notebook and I wrote down what my list of BS was at that moment. Mm. And I vowed to myself to, to go work on it. And so some of that looked like journaling, some of that looked like reflection, some of that looked like uncovering my fears and getting curious about them. But then some of it was some really fun stuff that I had never been open to before. Um, 
like going to get a psychic reading or um, going to get a tarot, you know, energy work, some things that I would have previously considered to be so woo-woo, but when you, when I approached it with openness and curiosity and just taking it as information, I actually learned so much about myself just from a different angle. Yeah. There's a, um, you know, we both have little children. Have you ever seen, uh, gosh, what's the name of that movie? Um, Smallfoot with uh -uh. the Yeti, uh -uh. Channing Tatum. There's a song in that movie that I always think about. Um, Zendaya actually sings it, I think. Um, and the words are, all we are is curious, nothing wrong with that. That's right. And I, and I hear you and I think about that song lyric because I'm like, how much has happened in this world because someone was just curious? And so much of our lives and our society is, I think, built around like this, this thought that you can't ask questions. You can't question the, the conventions, right? Because like those things are there so that our society keeps moving. And then it takes very, you know, a, a real strong person, I think, a real strong, a real courageous, a real brave person to say, you know what, this doesn't work for me. And I'm gonna take the moment to be still enough to try to listen to what, where I need to go um, and be curious, yeah. you know, and then at, at each step, check in. How does this feel to me? Do I, is this good or is this not good? And then continuing to go. And it feels to me like when I hear your story, it feels to me like that's what you've done. Yeah, yeah, just being curious, letting the walls down so that you can be vulnerable. And once you start to reap the rewards of letting those walls down and figuring out your way and, and seeing how people react to you, it's so rewarding and once you start getting those rewards it's just it's almost addictive you want to yeah. keep doing it and you want to keep having these conversations and curiosities i've had a um a season one podcast guest said to me and, I, and it's one of my favorite quotes now she said something like um the universe is conspiring in your favor all you have to do is just tap into it just start down this path yeah. the path you were meant to live all along yeah. And the rewards really do come. The gifts really do come. It's almost like the reassurance every single day of like, yes, you're doing what you're supposed to do. Keep on going. You know, even if you don't think there's someone encouraging you, you know, the universe is like, step on the path. Just go. Yeah. Just start down this path of self-exploration. I um, love that. When, when you started thinking happy hour, I mean, I, you, you can't have just quit your job one day and then said, I'm going to work on the happy hour. Like there was something in between, like where did the idea come from yeah. about this wellness boutique, you know, yeah. where you could just really take care of your mind? Yeah, absolutely. So yes, I actually started working on business plans and whatnot when I was still at my former job. Um, but it was a conversation with my cousin and I, um, my cousin who shares the same passions and, and some of the same family experiences. And she just looked at me, we're just hanging out, and she's like, I've got this idea. And she's like, you know how you can just walk in to get your nails done? I said, yeah. And she goes, what if we could do that for therapy? I said, what if we could? Yeah. And we just, from there, started working on it. And it's something that, you know, it again goes back to that mission of this passion of trying to normalize working on your mental wellness. And, and both of us had a strong marketing background, and I think, that's something that hasn't been done a lot. Um, I mean, I guess you've got your big better helps and talk space and things like that, but hasn't been done a lot that mental wellness has really been marketed and branded. Mm. I, I do, I do like how, like to me, I look at your business and um, you know anyone can go on your website and, and figure this out pretty quickly. Like this feels like a disruptor model to me, which I love. Like anytime that there's anything in any industry where there's someone who's a disruptor. Like I think of Southwest as a disruptor for the the American airline industry. Um, 
but what you're doing too also feels like a disruptor because it, it's going at something entirely differently. Um, you know, from instead of looking at therapy as like, we're a workhorse therapy, uh, you know, practice. We have this many therapists and you'll have a hell of a time getting in here, but just try, you know, like certainly in Nashville, I feel like trying to get somebody's probably really hard, yeah. but you've looked at it differently and said, what if you can get all of these things that improve your overall mental wellness all in one place? And it's a place that you can sort of just kind of come in, you know, sort of walk yeah. in. I, I think that's an interesting model. It's almost like the blowout model, you know, several exactly. years ago when they started doing blowouts and then everyone's like, I can walk in somewhere, I get my hair done. Just like that, great. It's the same sort of, I see it as the same sort of thing. So as you were developing it, like what were the things that to you, you're like, this is a non-negotiable, this has to be this way, yeah. or vice versa, where you said, I don't really care about that, that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, I think the non-negotiables where it has to be easy, it has to be simple. Now it's not ever gonna be easy mentally to walk yourself in the stores, but it has to be so simple that if you wake up one day and you wanna walk through those doors, you're gonna have an appointment within 24 hours. Um, it has to feel, the environment has to feel friendly and welcoming and take in the five senses so that you are instantly put at ease. Um, it, in the beginning, we had originally just thought we were going to use therapists. And as we continued to do our research and really, really started to feel the importance of this mind, body, spirit connection, um, we really thought it was important to have coaches as well. And we have an energy worker now, somebody that... Um, can meet you wherever you are on your journey. And so again, that goes towards the approachability of it is okay, I'm gonna go see a therapist if I wanna get through some stuff in my past that I really need to work through. Okay, now I wanna move forward in this direction to reach my goals, I'm gonna go see a coach. And so being being something for everybody to meet them where they were was a non-negotiable. Oh, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I never thought of it as like past, present mm -hmm. when I thought about what your business was doing. I, I find that really interesting. I, I also love too, um, you know, I think there's a lot that you're doing that helps people reconnect, or maybe not even reconnect, but just connect with purpose mm -hmm. and the things that, you know, maybe we were meant to do all along, but we've sort of deafened in a way. And, and I think that's probably true of your journey as well, right? Like you're allowing people now to have those same sort of opportunities based on what you've done. Absolutely. And I, I hope sharing my story helps to give, helps people give permission to themselves to, to do the same, to find that light in them because we all have it. Yeah. We all have that purpose and we all have that light. Sometimes it just gets so shoved down and dimmed by life experiences and emotions that we've shoved down because we were all kind of taught not to really talk about our emotions. Yeah. And so that's my personal specialty and, and what I love to help people with is to help them find their purpose. I love that. And I also love that you became a life coach while you were building this business. Like you didn't think that you were going to do that. You thought you were just going to run this business, right? I, I did. I did. But that goes again to show how kind of stuck I was in these blinders of I'm the corporate person. Yeah. I'm, I'm, even though I had begun my work on this and begun my own personal journey, I was just planning to be the business person. And then as I started getting more into it, I thought to myself, why am I not doing this? This is something that comes naturally to me yeah. that when I was on the playground in fifth grade, kids would come up to me who I didn't even know to talk to me about their problems. That's and, so and crazy I, to me. <laughs> well, I don't, it's, it's just must be something that I'm putting out there, yeah. you know, in the universe and the universe gives you what you put out, you know, yeah. and so I, I, you know, as I continued to open, I thought this would be something that I think yeah. I could be really good at. Does that give you joy being that for somebody? It does. 
brings me a lot of joy. Yeah, I do love that. You want to play a little game with me? I've got some questions I like to sure. ask everybody. Um, it's called Best Time, Worst Time. Okay. It's just, you know, just another way for people to connect with you and kind of understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, when was the best time in your life? I would say right now. Yeah, right now, I just because I feel, again, more comfortable being who I am every day and it is a practice authenticity is a practice and the more you practice it the stronger it gets and the better it feels and everything in your life your quality of life just is richer because of it yeah when was the worst time in your life i would say probably in my mid-teens um growing up when when my loved one um, some loved ones had a really really hard time with some mental health issues and struggles um, that i previously mentioned and Again, it was just, it was painful, it was confusing, it hurt my parents. Um, yeah, I know now as a parent, I can't imagine going through that, and yeah. many of us will because these things are very prevalent, but um, it was a really challenging time that I didn't have the tools to, to handle at that time. Hmm. Well, and now, I'm sure you do now, but even, even still, it doesn't make it less easy to deal with. Yeah. Right? What you're dealing with is a lot. Um, when was a turning point in your life where you say everything changed from this moment? Yeah. I would say when I quit my job. Yeah. I would say when I quit my job because that, though it was difficult and it took me a long time, it was almost forced me to say, okay, if I'm giving this up, I'm going to do something to, to find myself and who I am and passion and how I'm going to make a change in this world because I always felt like I was meant to. and that was my time yeah how about a moment of clarity for you was there a point where you're like ah oh, this is it yeah so it has to do with realizing that I was on my path um, and so I told you the story previously about my my coaching experience and how she said listen like <laughs> just you got some stuff you need yeah. to let go of thank God for that woman thank God for that woman <laughs> um, and so one of my things was to get curious and I went to an energy work session and I had no idea what this was. The, the practitioner is a healing touch certified practitioner and all I knew was that I get up there and lay down on this like massage table basically and she would use her hands to do energy work and what that basically looks like is she opens your different energy centers and balances out your energy and it's just truly a deeply meditative hour of your life. Um, but when you're in there I kind of started to not quite fall asleep. I call it twilight. You know, you're kind of floating. Lucid, maybe. You're lucid, you're aware, but you are kind of in a dream state. And so I saw a couple images. And the first image that I saw, and I wasn't sure if I was dreaming or not, but I remembered it so vividly, was two people, a man and a woman, hovering over this baby. And they were in their mid-30s. And I realized it was my parents. It was my parents, and the baby was me. And they were looking at me so adoringly and so lovingly just so unconditionally lovingly that in that moment I said to myself what am I doing trying to prove that I'm worthy of love mm. I have it I'm loved no matter what and it wasn't just my parents that I felt that way with but that moment just clicked for me and I said I'm, you know I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be 
and this is a this is a message I need to take away. I'm curious if you find yourself having to encourage people to try different modalities right now, or are people? Do you feel people are open to it who walk into your door? Yeah, I think people are pretty open to it. Um, it's become more popular these type of things, yeah. and. I always encourage people, I say, look, this is just information. You don't have to believe everything you hear. Yeah. Um, just take it as information, as something to reflect upon, and use it as almost a journal prompt to mm. to reflect and, yeah. and see what it means for you. Truthfully, I see astrology that way. Yeah. Like, take it or leave it, yeah. you know? Like, this doesn't... Um, I know an astrologer who says, like, look, this can be spiritual if you want it to be. She's like, I see it as math and science. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where are, where are the stars in the sky? What did the ancients believe this meant? If you find some sort of something that resonates with you in that, great. If you don't, fine. She's like, I'm not here to try to convince you of it. I'm just here to give you data. I'm here to give you information. You know, and I, it's interesting, like, that you describe it that way. Do you, do you find that you have to... Like even say to someone, just try it, just try it. And do people, are, are people resonant with that? Yeah, it depends on the person. So kind of have to use my emotional intelligence there and, um, you know, pick and choose who I say it to. And, and most of the time people come around to it, but maybe they need a couple, um, you know, talk sessions first sure. just to kind of get warmed up if there's somebody who's not used to that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, I, I personally had never even heard of like, how an energy work session, like what does that even look like? And you just describing that, it's like, oh, okay, that's what it looks like. Yeah. All right, I get that. Um, let's keep with our game yeah. while we're on okay. it. Um, so we've talked clarity, we've talked your turning point. Is there something about your nature that you feel like you've either overcome or you continue to overcome? Perfectionism, <laughs> no surprise there. Um, it's something that I do feel I've overcome, but it's a, it's a lifelong practice for me. It's something that, and I truly don't know if something like that, anyone can just wake up one day and not feel any of that. Right. But I can tell when I'm going into that mode and I can stop myself and I can pull out the exercises I have for myself that I know work and yeah. 20 minutes later, I'm like a new person. Oh, I love that. I love that because it almost requires like a, a true understanding of self and, and an ability to observe yourself, mm -hmm. which only I feel like... For me, I would say it comes with age. I mean, you by being like, just based on your training might say that it comes at a different point, but um, you know, just being able to observe yourself in that way, um, almost like stepping outside of yourself and yes. seeing yourself in the third person and going, whoa, whoa, we don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. Here are the exercises <laughs> we're gonna do. That's exactly right, that's exactly right. You look at yourself objectively, you look at your fears objectively and say, all right, fear. What, what do I need to tell you to get smaller? What do I need to tell you to go sit over there? Or what do I need to, to tell you to make you feel better? Yeah. You know, and just, I, I hold my hand out here because I imagine like literally yeah. looking at the sphere that's no longer in my body. Hmm. I, I do love how you, how you describe that too, because it, you know, I, I do think it's something that a lot of us have to deal with. You know, there's, First of all, you have to have some kind of recognition of where you are, right? Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. and I have to have an understanding that you are powerful enough to do it, right? Like, Absolutely. I do, I do feel like I don't know that women or men deal with it more than any other, but I think there's so much in our lives of like giving our power away. Mm -hmm. We are so powerful. When did we stop knowing that? And when did we stop teaching that? You know, I think as a mother to a daughter, I'm like. 
God, you are so powerful, mm -hmm. child. You are so powerful. And how can she see power unless I model that power for her? Absolutely. You know, and I, you also being a mother of a daughter. <laughs> you know, how how do you feel like your even your daughter or your um, your two kids even? How did that change how you looked at your own life or what you were here to teach or bring? Oh yeah, I mean, anytime you go through a huge life change like that, it forces you to do an inventory on yourself. And yeah. I think that's kind of what happened to a lot of people during COVID, by the way. Yeah. Um, but you do a huge inventory on yourself and you just don't feel good telling them to do something or believe in something unless you truly believe it yourself. Yeah. And so for me, it really forced me to dive even deeper. And I think, like you said, modeling the behavior is so important. Modeling that it's okay to have feelings. So I always tell people, if your kid is saying they're scared or I'm sad, and it's really, we know they shouldn't be scared yeah, or sad, yeah, yeah. but to listen to them, that's really real to them. And if we just tell them, it's okay, it's okay, mm. I'm, you're fine, you're essentially telling them not to trust their feelings. Mm. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, and it's yeah. very well-intentioned. Right. But you're essentially telling them like, that sadness you're feeling, nah, you shouldn't be feeling that. And so I think from a young age, we actually are taught to start stop listening to our intuition and stop listening to our power. So what you're talking about to me is something I, I like to call dismissive positivity. Mm. I'm very acquainted with this because I have someone in my life who I love dearly who does this dismissive positivity. Their way of doing it is the intent is encouragement. You, it's okay. You, you don't feel that way. You, you can do it. Uh, you know, this isn't. This is small. You're big. You can do it. Blah 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 blah. It's that positivity, but it's dismissing the underlying emotion rather than addressing the emotion that's actually there mm -hmm. and saying, "God, I know you're afraid right now. What else do you feel? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm for my three-year-old. It's." I miss you when I'm at school. I don't wanna go to school. Okay, so let, and I have to stop myself from saying, you're okay, just go. Right. Like I have to stop myself because my own conditioning is dismissive positivity. Absolutely. You can do it, get out of the car, you know, go. You're gonna have so much fun with your friend, you're gonna play outside, you're gonna learn, it's gonna be great. And I do agree with you a thousand percent. From the get go, we are, trained to stop listening to ourselves and just follow what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious in this moment, like if there's a mom or a dad who's listening at this moment, they're like, oh crap, my kids do stuff like this all the time <laughs> and I'm doing the dismissive positivity thing. How, how should we better handle those kinds of emotions from the littlest people all the way up to other people in our lives when they're expressing this kind of like, I mean, any emotion other than happiness. Yeah. I think just listen. Listen and get curious. It doesn't mean you have to let your child stay home from school because they're worried about it, but saying, you're, you're, you're going to miss me. I hear you. I know it's really hard for you when you have to be away from mom at school. I'm really going to miss you too. This is something that we have to do, and I can't wait to see you after school. You're really scared. Tell me what you're scared about. I understand that that can seem really scary to you. Mommy's here for you. Yeah. I. Why do you think we are so willing to push negative emotions aside? Because they're hard. They feel uncomfortable and they're hard to deal with and they bring up a lot of tension. 
when did you decide to stop pushing your own negative stuff aside and start dealing with all that? Yeah, probably about, it was, it was a, probably about six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the reward from dealing with it is so powerful. And I truly do believe in affirmations of, um, I'm going to do amazing today or whatever the positive thing is that you're saying, but you have to deal with the shadows first. Mm. In order for your body and your mind to believe that, you have to clear the negative, yeah. the oh, tough emotions. When we when we hear shadows, like, cause I hear people say like, oh, you gotta do the shadow work, gotta yeah. do the shadow work. And I'm like, what is shadow work? How do you describe that? To me, it's just anything that you've kind of stuffed down that you don't wanna deal with, that feels dark, that, feels heavy mm. and that can be that can be big work or it can be ongoing thing that's like okay this is me going back to that old pattern I used to have and the underlying reason is this and I need to remember that yeah it almost like I feel like we could probably interchange the name then right like mm -hmm. it could be closet work things you put in the closet mm -hmm. it could be the under the bed work <laughs> <laughs> it could be the messy room work yeah. it's all the things that you don't want to do I right? love that closet work it yeah. feels much more approachable than shadow work I, I don't Oh, I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe I, cause I, I remember the first time I heard shadow work and I was like, what? It was on a podcast actually. I was okay. like, what are they talking about? But the people who were having the conversation were very acquainted with this. And I'm like, you know, I'm a learned woman. Like I, <laughs> I understand things. Why don't I know this? And, and I've never actually gotten a clear answer on someone like, what do you consider shadow work? And I, you know, I, I, everybody who listens to podcasts and watch video podcasts, they're on a different place in their journey toward finding self, mm -hmm. right? So what is, uh, what is something we need to do to start working in the shadows? Yeah. What are the questions we need to ask ourselves in that? I think first being still, stop feeling like you gotta go, go, go. Cause a lot of times when we can't sit still and we're going, it's to cover up those feelings that we have. Yeah. And so first being still, listening to yourself, saying, what am I feeling? and then start to getting getting curious around it. A lot of times our shadows are based around fear and I have mm. this um, framework that I use a lot is turning fear, fear into curiosity. And what that looks like to me is literally writing down, here are the things I'm fearful of mm. and then getting curious about them and asking questions to each of those fears. What is it about you that is making me so afraid? Um, is this true? How true is this? Where is this showing up in my life? What if I'm being fearful for no reason at all. And just start to ask those questions to your fears and you're gonna get a lot of takeaways from there. Yeah. And that is a great place to start on, okay, I'm seeing a theme here. This is what I need to work on. Do you think you initially ever had to involve anyone else in those questions? Because I, I, I could yeah. see where a person would say, I don't even trust myself to answer these questions. Yeah. Does there ever need to be someone else that you're having that kind of with? I think it's incredibly helpful to have those conversations clearly because I have made a business yeah, out of yeah. um, practitioners who, who talk to people for a living and ask those questions. And once you start to do that work, you can start to ask yourself the questions. It starts to be a little bit more natural to say, hey, how can I be nicer to myself? How can I show this fear some love today? Hmm. That's interesting that you would say it that way. That's yeah. almost like from a truly like a place of love and grace, yeah. you know, addressing the shadows yep. in yourself, right? Or the skeletons in the closet. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of being ashamed of that, you're addressing it from a totally different 
um, mindset and approach. I want to talk to you about like what it's like to do this work as a parent. You know, um, I I did this work as a parent, yeah. right? So like I had my third child, and then it was going back to work after the birth of my third child, and it and it was in the midst of COVID. So he was a COVID baby. Mm -hmm. He came. Uh, I was pregnant during lockdown. Uh, he came in the fall of 2020. And then going back to work, I don't know, like that, I call him the kid who brought clarity because there oh. was like this, I don't know if it was him. I don't know if it was my age because I had him at, how old was I? Golly, it was 35 when I had him. So again, like I don't know if it was age or COVID or what, but like something about him, like all of it brought clarity. And it, things were just different. Yeah. And I, and I found myself really battling between, and, and truly battling still between giving to my family and giving to myself. Mm -hmm. And I do think there is this real great that happens there, um, almost like sandpaper, right? Mm -hmm. Like this itchiness, this grating for me that has happened of like, how much do I dedicate toward working on self versus, you know, certainly in our culture, I mean, we're told women need to give everything, right? Like you, you've already given mm -hmm. of your body. Mm -hmm. You've already given everything you could possibly give. You've, you know, nursed these children. Now give more. And I know for myself, I struggled with finding the line of that. So did, first of all, did you ever deal with that? And then also, how do you counsel someone through that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It is such a huge struggle. What you're saying is so, so real. And yes, I did struggle with it immensely. And I just kept reminding myself that the more I kept working myself on myself, the better mom I became, the better wife I became, the better household we had. It wasn't the cleanest household. It wasn't the most organized household. I'm pretty sure I've got a fork in my cup holder right now and a Captain America in the other one in my car. But it's a loving and connected household. And I don't think that I would have had the tools to be present with my children had I not done this work. I don't think I would have had the tools to model the behavior we were talking about for our children if I hadn't done this work. And you only have so much energy, right? And right. so to be able to do, take time for yourself, to do this kind of work, to do this self-care, you're going to show up so as such a better parent. Um, there's a saying that the work that you do on yourself is the work that you do for the world. And it starts right at home, right? And I there's actually a lot of research going on right now. A therapist, two therapists have now told me this, that 10 minutes of quality time per day with your children is enough. Hmm. It is better than being with them all day and being on your phone, being distracted. 10 minutes of quality time is what they need. Yeah. Well, they need connectivity too. They need connectivity. And, they, and they don't know it. They don't have the tools to tell you what they need. Mm -hmm. They only know what is modeled. And what is modeled is what they think is normal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important to model taking care of yourself, yeah. especially for your daughters. Right. Yeah. I feel that. I, there was a moment um, for me, I think, I think my daughter was either four or five at the time. And um, my daughter's six now. But she, you know, I was going to leave for work. And she's like, don't go. Don't leave. And I had this moment where I was like, what do I tell my daughter in this very moment? I should be able to tell her, oh, I know you'll miss me, but 
I'm doing something that's really exciting. It's gonna be great. It's gonna make a difference. I, I mean, I'm so excited about the people's lives who I'm gonna impact today. And I can't wait for you to find something that makes you so excited that you would also take this big of a leap to leave the person you love the most in this world yeah. to also go make a difference. I couldn't say that. And that for me was a turning point. That was, for me was the point where I said, I need to be able to tell my daughter, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something that makes a difference. You know, like she deserved to see that, wow. but I realized I couldn't tell her that. Wow. And, and so that is truly like part of the, part of the origin story yeah. of this podcast. Cause I started to say, you know, people need to hear these kinds of conversations. You know? Yeah. Did you ever have a point like that, having a daughter where you said, gosh, my, my daughter deserves this? Absolutely. 100%. And, you know, I struggle with that a lot. Forming my own business, it's, I mean, any career is demanding, but this one is in the beginning one that you're, you're kind of there all the time yeah. and you're all in. And I really, I, I told her, I told, I'll never forget when my daughter said, Mom, what are you doing? I said, Mommy's going to help people. Like, I'm doing really important work. And she goes, well, you need to help me. <laughs> and I I just thought to myself after shedding a tear, I said, okay, well, you know what? I, I'm going to put all this aside for a moment. It, like, in those moments, those are the moments where I knew she needed me a little. So what did I do? I spent 10 minutes with her. And then I continued to go and do what I needed to do. And so for me, it's all about balance. But yes, those... I've definitely had those moments where I've said, if I'm gonna do something and go all in, it's got to be something that my children are proud of and I can be proud of mm -hmm. to tell my children that that's what I'm doing. Yeah. There's still so much more to come in this episode, but before we keep going, I wanted to let you know that Clara and I both have such a heart for moms. She operates a moms group through her company in 12 South, The Happy Hour. She meets regularly to help give working moms and stay-at-home moms, too, the support they need to just work on themselves. And that really resonates with me. So I've asked Clara if she and I can do something together, a joint Amstigator happy hour event just for moms. And we're gonna, okay, we're gonna do it. It's coming up August 23rd. It's a Tuesday night after all the schools around Nashville are back in session. It's gonna be a couple of hours in the evening. We'll of course have wine because I mean, it's happy hour. That's the name of her company. But more importantly, we'll learn the things that we should all be doing to pour love and support and confidence into our kids. It's another reason to sign up for emails from me. We're going to run the registration through the happy hour. So make sure you're getting emails from at least one of us so you know when registration is open. And this night's going to be an opportunity to learn, to share, to grow, and to connect with other women in the same place. So just so you know, I am adamant about having time to connect with other women in these kinds of events. I mean, don't send me to a conference where all I do is listen. No. Let me share with the people around me. Let me bring a couple of girlfriends and have a drink and laugh about life. So that's coming up August 23rd. It's gonna be a perfect time to connect with other moms doing the same important self-work that Clara and I are talking about in this episode. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. yourself saying anything a lot like right now in the moment it doesn't have to be something you said a year ago or you know even if it's something that like in the last two weeks you're like, I've been saying this a lot lately yeah do you have anything like that oh my gosh I am constantly telling people stop breathe reflect choose 
<laughs> Stop, breathe, breathe reflect, reflect, choose. Okay. I mean, that is something that is like the first step of mindfulness, which is so crucial to that being quiet that we talked about and mm -hmm. being still because so many people are emotionally exhausted right now. Yeah. It feels like there's some light coming back now that the springtime's coming around, but mm -hmm. emotional exhaustion just was running rampant this, mm -hmm. this winter. And um, people try to, to, their minds start to run and say, well, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. And I just say, stop, breathe, reflect, choose. <laughs> and that's how you're gonna make your next step. Yeah, I feel like so often too in life we're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Mm 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 mm. Mm hmm. That's a great way to like just <laughs> let's take a moment yeah. and think through this and be here right where you are in this moment. What do you think your purpose is? I think my purpose is to shine my light and to help others find theirs so that they can live a life of joy and purpose themselves. Yeah. When did you realize that? I realized that probably um, right after COVID actually had hit and we had to change a lot of our services and offerings that we had at the happy hour because we had placed such an importance on in-person. And this was before we had our brick and mortar. We were doing pop-ups with other organizations and um, workshops and things like that. And we no longer could do that. And so I had coincidentally just gone on this spirituality journey and had all of this content that I was just using for my own personal growth. And my coworker, Claire, said, I have a great idea. Why don't we start a digital course, but not the kind that you just go buy the workbook and watch, watch the videos, but the kind where we actually create a community of people where they talk to each other each day, and then you have a live session with them each week and you send them prompts and content each day so they can really connect. And we did it and we tried it. And the way that these women connected and the deep dives that they did on themselves and the immense changes that they made in four weeks, I had no idea I was possible. it was possible for me to facilitate that kind of change. Wow. And I wasn't doing anything. They were doing all the work. I was just there to guide them and to listen. Don't sell yourself short. Well. You were doing a lot. That's a lot to facilitate. I came like, up facilitate. with the questions. Well, but, but to facilitate a hybrid course, a hybrid digital course like you're talking about yeah. is not something like, that's still a major, major yeah. undertaking. So don't, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> Plus you changed people's lives by the questions you were asking. Like to me, that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate. You didn't just, I don't know, spew, spew ideas. Like you f truly facilitated change, yeah. a life changing four weeks. Yeah. I don't know if you've taken them up. Let yeah. me be the reflection for you a minute. Like <laughs> that's pretty incredible. It is, it is. And I think that's when I realized, okay, this, I'm actually really good at this. Yeah. And this is my purpose. Yeah. I think you have to operate too uh, from a place of like non-judgment yeah. to ever be able to facilitate for somebody mm -hmm. because I think in general, I, I think all of us are very attuned to judgment. Mm -hmm. um, I had had a years ago, I remember doing a story with a woman who's a psychotherapist and she was just telling me at the time, she said, oh, you know, we children are very attuned to their parents' judgment. Like you have to work very hard so your child doesn't feel judgment. And I, that, I remember that just sticking with me because it, um, 
you know, I just, and I just started to reflect on my own life. And I thought, well, that we feel that as kids, but we also bring that with us as adults. Like we are very oh, attuned yeah. to judgment. And so for a person to practice non-judgment and to offer that to someone else, I mean, to me, that's a gift. Like that's a gift you have that you're sharing with other people. Thank you. It's a gift and a practice. It's definitely a practice. And that's actually what mindfulness is, is being in the present moment without judgment. And I think being able to practice that with myself allows me to practice it with others. And the beauty of what I've learned through coaching is that people who, if I ran into them on the street, who are so different than me, you learn to love them. You can love so many people who are so different than you when you listen objectively, because everybody has a story that you don't realize. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Also <laughs> another point of this podcast. Yes, there you I go. I 100% agree. <laughs> Um, something that I love about what you do, like you call yourself an authenticity coach uh, and a purpose coach. I just love that. How, what, what makes an authenticity coach different from like any, anybody else? And like, what is it in the questions? What is it? Yeah, I think it's in, um, it's in what you're really good at. And usually what you're really good at is a journey that you've gone through on your own. So there's mm. relationship coaches, there's, um, health coaches, there's, parent coaches. Um, there's all kinds of different coaches. And I really found this niche because I could really, really relate to it and understand it. And I love learning about it. So I'm constantly learning information about it that I can then share with, with my, with my guests at the happy yeah. hour we call our clients, our guests. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's just something that you have to feel really strongly about. And you do ask a different set of questions. Well, let's, let's hear them. Cause okay. I'm, I'm interested it's often, And the reason I'm asking is cause like authenticity is such a major thing in television, right? As being a TV news anchor, this yeah. is the kind of thing that we always get research back on. It's like viewers want authenticity. <laughs> I'm like, yes, they do. Yeah. They're millennials. This is what we want. Yeah. Like millennials want authenticity. Absolutely. So how do like you, how do you get someone to yeah. that point? Okay. So I always start with the question, fill in the blank. I feel like myself when, Hmm. I feel like, I feel like myself when, oh my gosh, do you, can you only answer one way? You can answer however you'd like. Oh, do you want me to answer? Yes. Okay. Okay. I've got a little game for you. This is great. Okay. I like games. I like games. Um, Okay. I feel like myself when, uh, truly, when I'm having one-on-one conversations with people, Mm -hmm. when I'm getting to know someone. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And I have to tell you, especially for the people listening at home, so many people that I work with cannot answer that question. So if you're thinking to yourself right now, I don't know how to answer this. Lauren has done a lot of work on herself, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but yes, that is beautiful. And I, I love to also talk about the idea of labels because labels or roles that we have as mom, as career woman, as whatever it is, they become so intertwined in our identity. But the problem with labels is that they're an extreme way of all or nothing thinking mm. and they don't like change. And so labels were created, they're in our DNA. Our ancestors used them to identify between friend and foe, who they needed to fight and who they needed to flight from. Um, But we still have it in us and it gets a little bit dangerous because they cover up the character of who we are. Our essential awareness, as Eckhart Tolle would call it, basically who we are when we're born, who we are before we developed an inner critic. And so I'm gonna ask you in this authenticity exercise, 
What are some of the labels that you have held on tightly to from a young age? This can be familial, mm. um, can be, you know, just things that are natural to you. Gosh, I mean, I, I think performer was one. I was always a performer. I danced competitively. I went to school for musical theater, sort of fell into television in, the, in that process. Um, I mean, I think being the youngest of three kids has been a, like a, that's been a major one for me. And I really saw my life come full circle when I had my third child. It's like people say when you have children, your life comes full, full circle. It didn't until I had a third. And now I see, God, that, that kid is amazing. But he gets the raw end of the deal sometimes because he's the third. And I'm like, I see it now. I see it. Like I just understand so much more of myself. Um, so that, so performer... Um, sister, um, those are the two I hold on really tightly to. I think as an adult, news anchor is one mm -hmm. um, because I see how people react when um, when they meet me, but also when they're like, "Whoa, what is that like?" Right? <laughs> and so, like for years, that allowed me to create like this real smoke show for not answering that question that we talked about earlier of like, "What do I really want?" Yeah. Like. Because surely, if you've got a cool title, you're obviously living purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what the problem with labels are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say those three I've clung pretty tightly to. Okay. Yeah. Are there any other that you've taken on on your own over the years? Mom, but I'm super proud of that because there's a lot that goes on with that. And um, I, I think... For me, I've gained real purpose from being a mom, and I, uh, yeah, I've gained real purpose from that, like in the most beautiful way. I, I, I've not, I've yet to meet a woman who didn't become a better woman when they became a mom. Yeah, and labels don't have to be bad. They just serve different purposes. They're helpful when you go to the to the school and you know who the teacher is, right? <laughs> um, so I don't, yeah, mom is a wonderful thing. I don't want to yeah. make it seem like I'm implying that some of these labels are not good, right? Yeah, right. Um, anything else that you've taken on, on your own? Mm, not that I can think of immediately. Okay. What about what others see you as? What do you think others would This is hard as? work. I know. <laughs> you were brave. I, I, I know. You're like, you want to do an exercise? I'm like, oh, I don't answer the questions. Yeah. I just ask them. <laughs> um, okay. So how do other people see me? Gosh, I think, I think, um, People see me as someone who gets it all done. Mm -hmm. I actually take great pride in always being able to say yes and figuring it out. Mm -hmm. Like, can you fill in on this? Yes. Can you do this? Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, just figuring. They don't need to know how I got it done, but I'll somehow get it done. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've taken great pride in that, but it's become a pain point recently like okay. very recently it's become a pain point and so I've had to really question myself of like is this a good thing to be known for right now yeah um what else gosh I don't know this is hard like to know how other people see me I don't know okay well you're doing great so <laughs> thanks coach <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> um of all of these labels that we have I want you to think about which ones you really love or even if there's ones that you don't love, what is the underlying characteristic that really defines you? So the common red thread. Red thread. So for example, for mom, maybe that's nurturing, caring, loving, whatever you would describe yourself as this. And the point of this is to be able to eventually describe who you are 
without any roles hmm. because you'll be describing who you are when you're not connecting to anyone else. Hmm. And you're not connected to anybody else. I do, I do think I'm a, a deep person and reflective person. I also think I'm uh, connected. I also think I'm a... Um, I know myself to be a real thinker. Like mm -hmm. I think. I, I live in my head. I'm a deeply, like... Uh, I'm also a deeply emotional person. I feel emotion deeply, but I'm not often emotional. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like that there's a difference in that? Like, yeah. um... Like if you were sit, if you were gonna start to cry right now, I would start to cry. Like I just, I sense emotion very deeply. Oh yeah, I'd yeah. say I'm an empathetic person. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that gets to it. Like I, yeah. I really, I'm, a, I'm a thinker, but I also feel things quite deeply. Yeah. And care deeply about yeah. people. Yeah. So does that, this way you're describing yourself, does that feel like who you are in your core? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That who feels like you, who you are authentically. And I'm also an incredibly hard worker. But yeah. I, I um, but I'm just someone who doesn't stop. Like, I mean, sun up to sundown doesn't even cover it. Like, you know, I'll yeah. be up at 5 a.m. going to yoga. Um, and then I'll be up, I'm almost ashamed to admit it, but like till midnight working on stuff for this podcast. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. working with kids, working at the news station all day, yeah. working on the podcast all night, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that goes back to caring, really yeah. deeply caring. Mm. Well, I'm glad you think that. <laughs> My husband might say otherwise. He would say, you're running yourself into the ground. Uh, and I'd yeah. say, you're right, yeah. but I haven't found the balance in all of it yet. Right. <laughs> we can work on that. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so so this would be a start of, I mean, you've just described who you are when you're not connected to anybody else. How does that feel? Oh, gosh, great. I've never thought of it actually that way, though. Um, yeah, how do we detach ourselves? Is that the step from this detaching is, this from is labels? the first step. Yeah. I want you to know, um, as, I've, as I've worked through this podcast, I've had to explain to people how I name these episodes. And it's actually an exercise in recognizing the true label. Mm, Have I explained this to you? No. Okay. So what are we, right? Like you are a holistic life coach. You're a business owner. You have your MBA, right? Like those are the things that that's how you would be introduced. Yeah. Um, as a person in the news business, we only interview people who have credibility, right? Yeah. So you have to have letters behind your name. You have to have the life experience that makes you qualified to talk about whatever it is that we're interviewing you about. Mm -hmm. So not only am I attached to my own personal label, I'm also attached to your label yeah. and what makes you qualified to be a part of this conversation, right. you know? Um, but in creating this podcast and the work I've done on myself of like, what labels do I have and what labels do I need to shun? Um, it has been a, a, a clear recognition of what really matters here, mm -hmm. right? So like if your deepest purpose in life is to be fill, fill in the blank, the healer mm -hmm. or the storyteller mm -hmm. or, um, you know, the bridge mm -hmm. or the fire starter. Like I want to label you as that deepest purpose that you're here to either embody or to to share or to give, yeah. that's what I want to name you. Yeah. So every episode title is a much more thought out label that I believe might not necessarily go on a business card, but maybe it should. Yeah, maybe it should. You know? I 100% agree. Do you think that you have now like dedicated your life and helping people understand 
the labels or is the labels just the first step? Oh, the it? labels is just scratching the surface. It's the very first step. How long does it take people to get past that, you think, or work through that? It depends on the person, but it, you know, it can be months or it can be years. Well, wow. And it's an on, I can't say this enough, it's an ongoing practice. You can't just say, I've got it one day and then you're good forever. It's something that now, once you've got the tools and once you know, you gotta remind yourself every single day. I know that finding purpose can happen at any point. You know, some people can find purpose really, really young and then others find purpose way later. Purpose can also morph, right? Like as we grow, but I don't think it's, you know, gonna stray very far from where you started. You know, mm -hmm. if it's what you're here for, like it's what you're here for, mm -hmm. like this is it. Um, but how old do you think people are when they begin to connect with purpose? I think they begin to connect with purpose from a very young age and then it's dimmed as they go and they've had all these life experiences yeah. that kind of crush it. And probably, gosh, anywhere from 30s to 60s. Wow. You, do you see clients that are older, yeah. like trying to really reframe their lives? You would be surprised how many people in their 50s and up I speak to who say, I've just been going in tunnel vision for all these years and I just realized I'm not happy and I don't want to do this. Why? why? I mean, and, and I ask this question as a woman who's was 36 when I had this like, whoa, what is happening in my life? Wait a minute, I'm, con I'm in control of this. How, how does a person, from your perspective, get to 60 and not, and, not, and not have asked those questions? Because they're doing what they think they're supposed to do. They are basing their own self-worth and happiness off of others' approval. And if you continue to go and you get others' approval and it feels really good, then you feel that you are serving your purpose. But then one day you eventually wake up and you realize this isn't, this isn't true to me. Hmm. What's that like? Like being a part of those experiences for people, like that conversation? Yeah. Oh, it's the biggest honor in the world. It's an honor that, that people trust in me, but it's also so exciting to be on that journey with someone and to see that aha moment. It's just, it's thrilling. Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. Does that like, when you leave the the office for the day, right? Yeah. Like you have this beautiful building in the 12 South neighborhood in Nashville. Uh, when you leave your day, how do you evaluate your day? I try not to, oh, to be honest. Really? I do. Um, because given my perfectionism tendencies. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> it can be kind of an unhealthy thing. But you, you can feel if you feel good or you feel bad at the end of the day. And, and if you can help somebody have one takeaway in a day, then that feels good. And let me ask you about that, about like the feeling. Yeah. I feel like you probably also have to have this conversation of like helping people connect with how they feel yes. in a situation. That's another thing I think we turn off. Oh, Do yeah. you find that? Absolutely. The mind-body connection is so strong and we sever that tie so strongly from an yeah. early age and when you start to get in your body again again just taking those moments of stillness taking three deep breaths with your hands on your heart or your stomach or wherever you're feeling an emotion all of a sudden you're like oh i am feeling this i am feeling this in my body and it is connected to how i'm feeling in my mind hmm. and so to answer your question yeah. yeah i've actually you just said something i've never heard someone say i obviously have heard someone say oh hand on your heart hand on your stomach 
but I've never heard someone say where you're feeling an emotion. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so we feel emotions throughout our body. A lot of times we just don't think about it. And so a lot of times grief can be felt in, in your chest. Mm. Um, nervousness can be felt in your stomach. How many times have you been nervous for an interview or something else and you feel your stomach in knots? Yeah. That's, that's because your mind and body, your body can feel your emotions physically. And we have to trust that, don't we? Yeah, you have Do you to feel trust like it. You have to connect people to that, like yeah. to help them. Or, or when people find you, are they further along in the process or are they like baby step, step one? It, all along the spectrum. Some yeah. people who have never done a deep breath in their life and some people who are have a strong mindfulness practice and they want to deepen it. Yeah, that's amazing. What, before I let you go, okay. what is the thing that you think people need to be doing or thinking or asking or any of the ings mm -hmm. that we need to be doing r right now to just get ourselves closer to purpose yeah. and what it is that we should be doing. Yeah, it goes back to stillness, being still for five minutes a day. And whether that's meditating, whether that's journaling, five minutes to yourself to reflect and listen to yourself, however that works for you, so that you can start to get some of those answers. Clara, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. I loved being here. Mm -hmm. Claire is the best. Her story is another example of how a person can be galvanized to create something to help other people who might have had a similar experience to themselves. I mean, those questions from that authenticity exercise got me thinking. Even as I was reviewing the edit of the episode again, I was listening to my answers and I was going back through those questions and answering them for myself, you know, the second time around as I was listening. It's almost like hearing my answers again in this episode are like a time capsule. Because while I had figured out a lot by the time I recorded that in March, it's now been three months. And I would answer a couple of those questions, not differently, just more fully. You know, like what hasn't changed? The stuff about feeling like myself when I'm in one-on-one -on -one conversations with a person. You know, I mean, that's still the same. Seeing them, feeling their emotion. But I would add this this time. I feel so much like myself when I'm writing for these episodes. I mean, it just gives me so much joy. You may have heard the term zone of genius. This is mine. I feel so alive doing it. And my hope for this podcast is that it makes you begin to ask the questions of yourself to uncover the kind of excitement in your life. You know, what is that? What is your zone of genius? What do you love to do? And then once you uncover it, you can maximize it and you bring it even more clarity and inspiration into your life. Also, if you want Clara's authenticity questions in your inbox, plus bonus content from me every single Amstigator episode, you'll only get it by signing up for emails from me. So what you have to do is shoot me a note, lauren at amstigator.com. And if you're listening to this, you know, a few weeks after this was originally posted, when you email me, just tell me the notes you're looking for. Again, lauren at amstigator.com. Okay, I'm so excited for next week. I am bringing back a season one favorite, Psychic Frank. Yep, brought him back because his was the only episode last season that we totally scrapped the plan for what the episode was supposed to be about. And it happened really in the moment, like right before we hit record on all the cameras for his episode. In that first episode, I said to him, 
you know, I feel like there's a different direction that this needs to take. So like, just go with me. And so it did. It just took this really cool trajectory where we learned about his gifts and, and how it works and when he started having his psychic abilities and all of that. So it's just a cool conversation from season one. But I brought him back for season two to try to execute the original plan. <laughs> but honestly, we didn't even stick to that plan either. So be ready for a mind-blowing episode next week with Frank Castellano. I've been so excited to get the edit back from this episode. I just can't even wait. So as always, I encourage you to shine your light as you live life purposefully. I'm Lauren Lowry, and this is Amstigator. <laughs>